This evening, I'd like to have you turn to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, this prophetic update is, uh, <clears throat> is not um, one that uh, is fresh in the sense of uh, uh, great new things happening. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it is one that is trying to express uh, the reminders that what God is doing, he's continuing to do. And uh, fulfilling his purposes and his plans, fulfilling his prophetic words. And so as we look at uh, the, the, the new year to come, there, there are some things that we're going to see in, the, in, in this past year, 2017, that have really kind of set up for us uh, a, a tremendous uh, platform, if you will, for a lot of biblical prophecy to be fulfilled. Verse 1, it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And by the way, we are uh, studying this coming Wednesday. We're going to be doing a second part to the, the uh, uh, temple, uh, or I should say the tribulation temple that uh, is going to be built uh, any time, actually, uh, when uh, things begin to settle down a little bit in Israel, which they never will settle down, but I'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, we're, 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 we've been uh, looking at some things concerning the building of a temple that is actually going to be the temple that is going to be desecrated by the Antichrist. That temple is the desire of Israel to go up. And what Jesus says is that the temple of uh, Herod, which would have actually been the second temple that was renovated by Herod, would not have one stone left upon another. And that really was the case. We talked about it then. He sat, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the, of the end of the world? And notice that they knew that Jesus was coming again. What is the sign of your coming? They were quite aware because Jesus told them he was coming back. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And I think that we have seen much of that already be uh, taking place uh, on the worldwide stage. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Famines and pestilences. You know, we, we consider ourselves to be quite a uh, technological society. And, uh, and man is doing all that he can to, to prove that, you know, we can eradicate famine. We can eradicate diseases. But the reality is they're only increasing and not getting any better. 
Earthquakes in diverse places. Who has control of that but God? All these are the beginning of sorrows. Notice it isn't right in the midst of the greater things happening. It's just the beginning. We're seeing the beginning right now. And then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Consider over the past three years what ISIS has been doing to Christians in the Middle East and killing them for this, because of the name of Jesus Christ. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. People are offended by the fact that we love Jesus Christ. They're offended by the fact that we love the word of God and we stand upon the word of God as truth. They're offended by that. And some may be betrayed who live in countries where the, the, the gospel is, is uh, illegal. That, that's been happening in, in Russia. It's happened in Russia. It's happened in China. It's happened in many other nations. And many false prophets shall rise. And shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So here's a, just a, a quick year in review for 2017. What I believe to be one of the most significant years fulfilling and preparing to fulfill Bible prophecy before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his church really does begin with Donald Trump becoming the president of the United States. Uh, for those who were watching practically every night during the campaign of uh, debates and interviews and whatnot, it, it was a, a quite a an astounding time. And then to think that everybody believed on the night of the election that, you know, he was going to lose by a landslide to, found, to find out that he won. Who was in control of that? <laughs> what, you know, we, we have to look at this, this picture of saying, you know, God is the one who places kings and presidents and leaders of nations. The Bible is very clear about that. What are his purposes? Sometimes we find out immediately, sometimes we don't know. But, you know, we, we asked that question, you know, nine years ago. When Barack Obama became the president, we saw what it begun to be a, a, a tremendous change in the nation and then all of a sudden someone comes who is not by the way connected to you know the con you know the uh, what did they call them the uh, uh, all the conspiracy theorists you know the Illuminati and whatnot and this group and that group and the skull and you know and Donald Trump doesn't belong to all of that He's a, he's, he's a Twitter. He's <laughs> a tweeter, you know. He tweets. Makes everybody upset. The people who love him, the people who hate him. They just, you know, what's he doing now, you know. And yet, 
Some people miss the very fact that he really loves this country. It's an interesting thing. And he, when he says that he wants to give the, people, give the government back to the people, because that's what we've always said, it's of the people, for the people, by the people, and for the people. That he's trying to stick to. And because of that, he's hated by so many people. And so almost immediately, angry and oftentimes violent protests break out against his election. Almost on the very same day, of course, they were. Even members of Congress wouldn't, wouldn't attend the inauguration because they hated him. Not to mention, even before the election in November. So that was a very significant thing for the country. It was significant because... It almost seemed like the Lord gave a conservative mindset, but also the, the religious and spiritual mindset, a, breathe, a, 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 a little breath of fresh air to continue on in the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to continue on you know, with, some, with some sense of freedom. You know. And then there's the issue of North Korea. And almost from the very beginning of the year, there was this continued taunting and threats by Rocket Man, as he was called. <laughs> King Kim Jong-un. The taunting threats of aggression against the United States. Almost as if, well, okay, everybody hates this president, so let's, let's taunt him. Let's see if we can get him to do something. Uh, get him into a war. Uh, that, that guy's nuts anyway, honestly. But he was boasting of something. The people of North Korea sadly think of him as some kind of a god. And they boast of their hydrogen bomb. And they tested a hydrogen bomb. And then they tested an ICBM capable of reaching any part of the United States. We think about, you know, this worldwide calamity, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The Russia probe began then, the probe of collusion with Trump, well, presidential candidate. And that all brought about a special prosecutor investigating the new Trump administration, finding nothing but Continue to waste our tax dollars on it. And then there have been the deadly demonstrations that have taken place worldwide. Demonstrations in Venezuela and today, this week in Iran. And so this, this whole issue of, of demonstration because of, of, of the governments that are uh, just not taking care of their people. Many of the demonstrations in our own country were racially based. Others were mostly political. But all in all, some became deadly. There were cars that were being driven into, the, into uh, groups of people, and some people died because of it. You know, where's this mindset coming from, you see? Then we heard the news of three very devastating hurricanes, Harvey, Irma, and Maria, ripping through the southern U.S. from Texas to Florida and then to Puerto Rico. 
The devastation was great. Happens every year, but quite possibly not to that extent like it did this year. I think the thing that burdens us most is the church shootings that took place. There were many more than the Sutherland Springs shooting, but that one was the worst. 25 people killed, including a pregnant woman, small children. What is happening? It used to be that things like this were, vi- were isolated incidents. They're not so isolated anymore. This is another sign of that hatred toward those who, who love God and are called according to his purpose. Then, of course, as the year went on, there were those Hollywood moguls and politicians who were accused of sexual misconduct. You know, it, it really brought out a stink from the stink that it was. Some congressmen resigned because of it. Makes you wonder where integrity is anymore. And of course, President Trump accomplished much of his first year agenda, receiving no credit from the mainstream media. Yeah, never hear any credit for the things that he's done that have been good. Tax bills have been passed. Hope we all feel something good about that pretty soon. Angry opponents continue to press for impeachment, though. Probably for his tweeting skills, I don't know. Maybe for a lot more. And then sadly, law enforcement officers continue to be targeted. Even today, I was reading about a police officer near Denver that was shot and killed. And again, in some kind of a scheme to draw the police into some situation where they can, where they can shoot them and kill them. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus talked about that lawlessness. The love of many will grow cold. We live in a very cold society. We know it's cold outside. It's a little cold in here. But there's nothing like the coldness of a heart that has no remorse for death or the killing of someone that is doing a good work for society, for people. But one of the most prophetic events of the year came not too long ago when President Trump announced the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv would be moved to Jerusalem, to Jerusalem, recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Boy, did that cause a stink. The Arabs, the Palestinians, much of the Islamic world was erupting with protests, which was rather interesting because the reality is that there really are only two major religions that Jerusalem means anything to, and that is, of course, Judaism 
and Christianity. But Islam wants the control. Funny, because when you read the Quran, there's no mention of Jerusalem at all. Until the Jews and the Christians want to have it. The only problem is, it's God's city. It's his city. And he chooses whom he wants to be in control, and he will. He has and he will. You see, it's, it's amazing to me how the world can, and by the way, when I talk about the world here in this particular sense, uh, consider, if you will, the UN, the united nothingness that uh, really does nothing for the world. Well, you know, they'll boast in their UNICEF projects and programs and stuff, but when it comes to votes, they'll vote always against Israel, they'll always side with its oppressors. But it's amazing how the world has this unhealthy obsession with dividing the city that God calls his city. Their desire to divide the city of Jerusalem. In fact, the Lord has put his name on the city of Jerusalem. And people need to understand this and know this. Above and beyond just the, 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 you know, the, the superficialness of the way some people have some religious overtones in government. Because I have to tell you, there were many in the Bush administration who should have known better, but they were the ones that were pushing for the division of the city, thinking that that was going to bring peace. Second Chronicles 6, verse 6 says, But I have chosen Jerusalem. This is God speaking. I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there. And have chosen David to be over my people Israel. But that first phrase, but I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name might be there. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 13, toward the middle of the verse, it says there, well, I'll, I'll read the whole verse. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned, for Rehoboam was one and 40 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. He chose Jerusalem to put his name in the city. In 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 7, it says, And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. So it's a, it's, a constant, it's a constant theme. It is a constant statement that God is making about the city of Jerusalem. And he built altars, uh, the, um, 2 Kings uh, 21 verse 4, and he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord said, in Jerusalem will I put my name. I was uh, looking at some things and I, I, I had hoped to be able to bring you some pictures. I was actually putting some pictures for all of the the. the the year in review for 2017, but I was working off of the wrong program and uh, I had to do it on this program here because I, it was just too slow and I, I couldn't do it. So, uh, But if I had done it, this would have been the picture of, of, uh, of, a, of an overhead view of, of, of Jerusalem, the city, in, in three stages of its development over the 
over the last, uh, you know, 70 years, from the time of, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the birth of the state of Israel in 1948 up until now, three pictures where uh, there is superimposed over the, the design of the city itself, which, when it's outlined, is in the form of, a, uh, of the Hebrew letter Shin. Looks kind of like a W. But it's superimposed over the city of Jerusalem, and the, the letter Shin is representative of the name of God, El Shaddai, which means he is the mighty God, the mighty God, the mighty provider. It's an interesting thing that if that is truly part of the way that the Lord has, has stamped his name upon the city, it is one thing to consider and to think about. As a matter of fact, when you go out the doors, you'll see the mezuzahs on our doors, and there's always a shin at the top. When we have it, you know, pointed in, in a little direction like this, there's a shin at the top. You can see it when you go out. And yet, with all of that, with all of what God has said about his city, a two-state solution seems to be what most nations demand from any kind of peace proposals. And again, I have, to, I have to put this little parenthetical statement that if we're dealing with the Palestinian Authority, it's an illegitimate government. It's an illegitimate government politically, and internationally, because the fact is, there is no Palestinian cause because there's not a Palestinian people. And even Arab historians have had to admit there is no Palestinian people. They have a museum. Do you know something? There's no artifacts in it because there are no part of Palestinian artifacts. It's an empty museum. And I'm not kidding you, it's true. <laughs> it's sad. The word Palestine was applied to the land, of course, many years ago. Uh, and even when the, the, the Jewish people began to come back into the land before 1948, it had been, it had been annexed and actually uh, uh, called Palestine again. And the Palestinians at that time, if, they, if, you would, if you would call them that, they were actually Jewish because they lived in Palestine. So they, call, they had, the Palestinian, they had the, the Palestinian Symphony Orchestra, the Palestine News, that was the, the, the newspaper. You know, so everything was about Palestine, but it was all in Hebrew. Interesting, isn't it? So aside from the fact that uh, those claims in, in the land, you know, it's all in... Uh, illegitimate as, as it were, the world continues, the world continues to side with Israel's enemies and with the opposition to Israel. And then Russia, who is an ally with Syria, and Turkey and Iran are in complete support of the Palestinians, bringing about a move closer and closer to what we studied recently, as, as, 
in the year of 2017, we studied about Psalm 83, the Psalm 83 war, and the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. Two wars that can happen almost simultaneously. One will happen right before the other. The Psalm 83 war will be the war, the, be the war of the nations that are, that are up against Israel, geographically, followed by the war of, of uh, Gog and Magog, which are the, the outer lying nations beyond those. Each time, because they have stood up against Israel, we are told God is going to fight for Israel and God will defeat the enemies. That is something that could happen in the very, very near future. So what does this world need then to look forward to? What does it need to look forward to if they continue with this kind of aggression and this kind of uh, systemic uh, uh, support of the enemies of Israel? What do they have to look forward to? Well, turn to Zechariah chapter 12, 12, if you will, verses 1 through 3. This is what they would have to look forward to. They would have to look forward to the judgment of God. We're told in verse 1 of, of Zechariah 12, it says, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord. By the way, if we believe in replacement theology, that the church has replaced Israel, then how would this fit in the scenario? It doesn't fit. There is, a, there is an Israel today. This is the Israel that it's speaking about. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretches forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day, and this, this is one of those prophetic, those prophetic markers, whenever you see the phrase, in that day, that is not a, a day that would be already done in history. It is talking about the, the future yet to happen. In that day, will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, all that burden themselves with it. Think of the United Nations, burdening themselves with wanting to divide God's city, God's people, God's land. It says, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. You want to cut my land? You're going to be cut in pieces. That's the point here. Though all the people of the earth, notice, be gathered together against it. Now, I take God seriously on that. And especially for the Israel that is there in the land today. Because it would not have been there had the final solution in the 30s and early 40s completed its task of destroying all the Jews from Europe. Praise God that Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones, has been raised. And the people are alive again. And you read the prophecies in the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, and you read the prophecies of how God 
has made the land fruitful again. It was laid waste, folks. It was a land laid waste. No one took care of that land. Nobody wanted that land until Israel wanted it. Then everybody wanted it. That's just the way it is with the things of God, isn't it? You leave things pretty much alone and man will let it just go to waste. You put people in there who want to live in peace and serve their God and then everything breaks loose. Jim down to verse 9, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day, there's that phrase again, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I don't think I have to go into great detail on, on interpreting that verse. That's pretty clear, isn't it? In that day, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jeru Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn but things are going to have to happen and things are going to be moving in a direction that eventually will lead to some world order, some one world order. I wish I had even more time to talk about one world religion too. We may talk a little bit about it because you know the desserts, they're not going to get cold on you or hot. They're, they're already back there. So, you know, the, the coffee may get cool, but... We'll get, we'll get to it, folks. may have to talk about that. But that's, what, that's the direction that all of this is going. It's interesting that uh, just a few years ago, Chuck Hagel, who was the defense secretary for uh, President Obama, actually was talking uh, just in an interview about the fact that uh, with all of the things going on in the world, there, everything was moving toward, and he used the term, a one-world order. It would have seemed nonchalant, you know. Well, it's moving toward having a one-world government, which, by the way, President Obama was pretty much in favor for in a lot of ways. And I don't say that uh, other than the fact that I know that he said that <laughs> in various interviews. So, what is the cry in Israel today? And it ha and has been since 1948. Peace and safety. That's all we want. We want peace and safety. Israel had to develop one of the strongest uh, armies in the world because of their need to exist. To stay in existence. And I wouldn't want to challenge the Israeli army, air force, or any part of their military. In fact, in many cases, their military overshadows ours in some things, not in everything, of course. But it's amazing what they have to do, and they live every day to exist. Think about that. The 
people live every day to exist. And they are truly a, dem dem a democratic society. They truly are a society that allows those who are Arabs who live in the land to be Israeli citizens. They're citizens of Israel. They serve in parliament. They can. They're given votes. I have seen, and, 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 and this is something that we have seen in Israel, how they will take care of anyone, no matter what their religious background is, in hospitals, in clinics. They don't do that in Gaza, and they don't do that in Lebanon. They don't, do it, they don't do it in Gaza where Hamas is. They don't do it in, uh, in uh, Lebanon where Hezbollah is. They certainly don't do it in Syria. It's possible that they might do it in Egypt. There's still some cool uh, friendship there. But the point is, they just cry out peace and safety. They, they will do anything. They will accept one person who will come and say, I will give you peace. But I would beware. Paul would tell us to beware of that. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3, he says, For when they shall say, peace and safety... And, and, and Paul being who he was, being a Hebrew of the Hebrews, really does focus a lot in First and Second Thessalonians on the fact that there is going to be someone who comes to offer that kind of peace. He says, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. And I'll read from 2 Thessalonians in just a moment. But it brings to mind what Daniel wrote in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, prophetically, when he said, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And I was saying this, I think, last week in one of our studies, that this is actually speaking of the Antichrist. Confirming a covenant with many, being the, the Jews, for one week, which is a week of years. Seven years. And in the midst of the week, three and a half years, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. What does that describe? That describes where there will be a temple. One of the major things that needs to be a concession for Israel with any peace proposal has to be the building of the temple on the Temple Mount. Now, I am going to talk about that more on Wednesday night. Because I don't, I, you know, because there are some alternatives that we want to also look at there. But we talked about it on Wednesday, and that was when we mentioned here that he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation or the offerings to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it des desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So it is describing in clear detail that this Antichrist is going to enter into the temple and declare himself to be God. And if you don't believe that, read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that says, Let no man deceive you by any means. 
For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, speaking directly about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God puts himself in that position to show himself to be God. And there will be some things, and I hope that we'll have some time in the near future to talk about some of the things that Antichrist can possibly do with the technology that is being developed and has been developed over the last few years, and especially the, 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 the technology that I'm going to mention here toward the end of this uh, this portion. Well, actually, this is the only portion, by the way. We worked it out so that this, you know, I'm giving you two parts at one time uh, because, you know, because of the desserts. Can you believe that? Just, just because of the desserts. So, anyway. So, he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So, that's pretty clear if, if we follow along with the teachings of, of the Antichrist, about the Antichrist. So I want to tell you something else that the world will not be expecting in their haste to find the solution. Something that they won't be expecting. And we can read that in Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The, the prophet Joel writes this. He says, for behold, in those days, and in that time, there's that phrase again, in that time, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there. Notice, he will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. May I ask you, is he talking about the church? No. What is the valley of Jehoshaphat? if it isn't a valley in Israel, which it is. For my people, God's clear here. And for my heritage, Israel. Replacement theology is aberrant theology. It's, it cannot be true. To say God has forsaken Israel, which he hasn't, by the way, and has given all the blessings of Israel to the church. If you do that, you have to spiritualize the whole Bible. And you can't. And I'll tell you why. Because there is a place called Israel. And there is a city called Jerusalem. And it's still there. And then it says, Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. So you part my land, guess where you're coming? Valley of Jehoshaphat. Vamonos. Here we go. They're not expecting this. They're, they're, you know why they're not expecting? Because they don't believe God. And they don't believe the word of God. Oh, they like certain parts of the word of God. Oh, you know, we should have peace with everybody. We should love everybody. And we should accept everybody and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, then why don't you tell that to the ones that are killing Christians? Tell that to the ones that have been beheading Christians. 
Oh, we can't do that. You idiots. Oh, sorry, Lord. I got a little, uh, a little frustrated here. Milk toast. <laughs> I got a. I probably need a cup of coffee. I think that's what I need. Got to relax here a little bit. Cowards, cowards. That's what they are. Won't stand for the truth. Okay, I got it out. All right. Turn to Psalm 122. There's a verse of scripture. Sha'alu shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say peace, shalom be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Folks, pray for the shalom of Jerusalem. Do you know what we're saying when we say that? This is what is unexpected by the world because they don't understand the word shalom. This is a very critical verse of scripture for us to understand what God is saying. Let there be peace. Let there be wholeness and completeness. Israel cannot be divided as Jerusalem cannot be divided. That is how it stays in peace. For the word means to be whole and to be complete. It cannot be divided. Peace be within thy walls. And prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace, shalom, be within thee. It's not saying that Jew and Arab cannot exist together. They can. If they understand one thing, the city cannot be divided. And given to someone else's authority. And here's the reason why it's happening. But God has given us the reason, hasn't he? Luke chapter 21 verse 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That time is still now. Why? Because the Temple Mount is controlled by an Arab waqf, an Arab council, an Islamic council that oversees the Dome of the Rock, which is the Mosque of Omar, and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is also on the 35 acres of the Temple Mount, 35 to 36 acres. We're talking about on Wednesday night. I'm going to show pictures, by the way, on Wednesday night. I am going to put those in this, this time. And also give you handouts. And um, it's going to be on the website. And, oh, but there's no, no coffee and, and, uh, and uh and uh, pastries, okay, that's, that's, that's here, only tonight, okay. All right. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That time is, is, is coming. That time is coming. 
You see, what, something very interesting happened back in 1967. Y'all remember the June, uh, the, the June war? It's called the Six-Day War of June of 1967. That, that was when I began to uh, realize my Jewishness was coming out. I began to watch. I, I watched the TV religiously every night. When I, from day one of that, of that conflict and watched when the troops that were led by the, the rabbi of, of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, went into the city of Jerusalem after it had been in Jordanian captivity for so long. And they actually placed the flag of Israel upon the Dome of the Rock And Moshe Dayan, who was the uh, military leader for the Israelis, went in. And, and nobody really knows why. I mean, it's probably written down somewhere, maybe in his memoirs or whatever. But why did he go in, speak to the Jordanians and the Arab leaders, and they brought the flag down, and they let him stay on the Temple Mount? It makes us wonder. A lot of people really got on him for that. But we have, to, we have to pull back and look at it from the standpoint of what God is wanting. And it may have been just that he did it and the Lord had him do it for whatever reason because the time of the Gentiles was not yet over. That time, we'll know then when it's done. So until then... That's what's still taking place. But I, I can tell you this, it won't be for long. It will not be for long. So I have just a few minutes here, uh, and I have a whole lot more to say. So I'll only say what I need to say, which may take us beyond the time of desserts and coffee. But what can we, what can we be expecting then? If not in 2018, but in the very near future. Well, there are things already taking place that we in the Church of Jesus Christ are not really aware that has been, is, and will take place in a greater extent as the day of Christ approaches. I want to talk something a little bit more happening here in our, in our country, in the church. And, uh, and that is, there's a war that is going to be taking place. Actually, it's already taking place. It's a war between nominal Christians versus the true believer in Jesus Christ and his word, especially the prophetic word of God. There, there are segments of the, of, the, of the church today that want to have nothing whatsoever to do with prophecy. They don't... Uh, look at uh, the things that uh, are said, some of the things that we've talked about tonight as, as being uh, literal. They'll look at it as, as uh, uh, metaphoric maybe, or, uh, but, but, but certainly not uh, literal. And uh, that's, that's kind of sad because most of those who uh, 
are in some of these other denominations that have leadership that say, listen, uh, we're going to back the Palestinian uh, cause because uh, Israel is, is oppressive to the Palestinians, which is not true, by the way. And uh, again, we've talked about this many a time, so I, I don't want to go over and over the same material and why. But uh, they'll back the Palestinians because, uh, and because they don't believe that Israel is, is the legitimate country there, which tells me that they are ignorant of the word of God. And they choose to be ignorant of the word of God because it doesn't fit their, not only their, their spiritual or religious view, but it also doesn't fit their political view, obviously. The Apostle Paul realized this was something that could happen since it was happening in his time. Let me, let me have you turn to Philippians chapter 3 for just a moment, chapter, seven, chapter 3, verses 17 through 21. Uh, because these are very strong words, and, and the context of, of all of this would really be that he's not talking about heathens and heathen religions, but actually those who would proclaim themselves to be believers. But listen to the wording and listen to the strength of what he says. He says, brethren, be followers together of me. And mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. In other words, keep these people that are following with me, uh, keep them as, you know, as, uh, take note of them. Take note of our walk, in other words, is what he's saying. And then parenthetically, he adds, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, that's a, that's a hard thing to, 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 to swallow. That's a hard thing to take, to, to, to think that somebody who calls himself a Christian is an enemy of the cross of Christ. But I'll tell you this, if, if you look at the recent history of the church, which would take us back about 200 years or so, back when uh, in, in Europe there were, there were those theologians who were beginning to question the literacy of the scriptures, the inerrancy of the scriptures, and the inerrancy of, of, of God's word, that, that uh, they, they said, well, we're, we're not really sure if Jesus really died on the cross. We're, we're not really sure that he was born of a virgin, as the scripture says. I mean, they have certain interpretations of these things. And yet they would meet on a Sunday morning and uh, go through the hymns and sing songs and, you know, teach whatever they would teach whether it would be out of the scriptures or maybe one scripture that they approved of. I don't know if, if you remember about 20-some years ago, there was a group called the Jesus Project, and, they, and they, they were, their whole idea was to say, listen, some of the word of God is, is good, and some of it, well, we don't know if it's real or not, so, you know, let's, let's just kind of see what happens here. You want to know the truth? That's being an enemy of the, of the gospel, of, uh, the, of the cross and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To not believe the whole word of God from Genesis to Revelation. This is why a few years ago when I was teaching the, 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 book, the book of Genesis, it took me four years to get through it. But when we, when we studied the very first verse, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The summation that I gave over that first chapter was that if you believe the first four words in the beginning God, you can believe the rest of the Bible all the way to the very amen in the book of Revelation. And if you don't believe the first four words, then you'll believe anything. 
And so he says, for many, of, many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they're the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whether they live very moral lives or not. And then he goes on to, 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 to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this, this, this judgment whose end is destruction. It's not so much Paul uh, ascribing a judgment. It, it is describing the very fact that when you walk as an enemy of the cross of Christ, the only end you have is destruction. Whose end is, is discretion, uh, destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. Now that verse can be translated, our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We look for him. We look for him. Who shall change our vile body. Listen, think about the fact that Jesus is coming for the church. And I really wanted to talk a lot about that tonight, but I haven't got there. And you'll be upset at me if I don't let you go to coffee and stuff. So we'll get, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But not tonight. Probably not. But he says, who shall change our vile body. Listen to what he says. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. What does that remind you of? 1 Corinthians 15. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. The corrupt shall be incorruptible. The mortal shall put on immortality. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Give me just three more minutes. This is the, this is the, this is the war. And we don't fight with... with Helmets and guns, just letting you know. The so-called Christian versus the true believer. The emerging church versus biblical Christianity. The emerging church that says, put aside your Bibles. We don't even know if it's true anyway. Now let's just talk about it. Let's have conversations about things. The New Aged Influenced Church or the old path inspired church. The old path inspired. You know where that comes from? It comes from the book of Jeremiah chapter 6. I want to look it up. Because I think it's important for you to see what it says. In Jeremiah chapter 6. i got to really look how careful here so I can find it. Uh, I'll find it here. I'll keep talking. Oh, here we go. Verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the way, or in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, 
we will not walk therein. We want something new. Not like the new we talked about today in the morning. We want something new. Something exciting. Something entertaining. We want to get tickled. I just want you guys to go to heaven. That's what I want you to do. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know him with all your heart. And I want you to be known by him. Remember what he said to those who thought that they were doing right? He said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. You can do things and still not be known. You need to know Jesus that he might know you. There's replacement theology versus the restoration of Israel. There's dominion theology or reconstructionist theology that says we'll, we'll make the world good for Jesus when he comes. He won't come until we make it better. That's dominion theology versus God's prophetic sovereignty that says God's in control. And there's this thing called preterism which says, oh, you know, all the prophecies have already been fulfilled in the Bible. There's no more prophecies to be fulfilled. That's preterism versus the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, which we strongly believe is going to happen before the seven-year tribulation because it is literal prophetic fulfillment. So one of the main problems in mainstream churches that have put aside the full counsel of God's word is that they are, for the most part, ignorant of prophecy. They're ignorant of prophetic themes, ignorant of prophetic times, and especially Israel's, in, uh, Israel's times in the last days scenarios, which the scriptures have made quite clear. And we'll continue to study them, and we'll continue to grow in the wisdom that God wants us to have.